You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Yes, my friends, we are back. And we, I mean the royal we, I don't even know what the royal we means, but uh, I like saying it. And by royal we, I mean I, me, just me, myself, and I, up in the house, ready to do another mother effing episode of the X-Men. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you for checking out the darn program. And uh, yeah, what's going on? Uh, I want to tell you guys a story. I went to go see... Guns and Roses at the Hollywood Palladium. And if you've never been there, it's a venue that holds about 3,600 people. And I found out very last minute that Guns N' Roses was playing. And it was, uh, I mean, everyone found out last minute. It was a very like, bam, Guns N' Roses is playing. And obviously they're one of the biggest bands of all time. So it was like, I think only available to their fan club. And then you had to have like this certain city bank card or some 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 shit like that and uh i was trying to get in i thought i had a hookup and then the hookup went away and i was like you know what maybe i'll just i'll swing by see maybe if i can scalp me a ticket you know and that's exactly what happened you know paid kind of a, a pretty penny for it but you know I had, I had a couple shekels in the bank and i was like you know what this is gnr and, the, and guys if you don't know dot coil you know guns and roses and Slash in particular is, you know, part of the reason why I am into rock and metal music. Part of the main reasons I even picked up a guitar is because of Slash. So I take that shit real seriously. So I felt like, you know what? No, you know, I'm not going to get an opportunity like this probably to see them in such a small venue. Right. And I get up in there, you know, and I'm, I'm amped up. You boys amped up. You know, my back was hurting and my back's been all jacked up last few days, unfortunately. Despite doing the DDP yoga, uh, DDPY, sorry. Um, 
And anyway, you know, I'm I'm just I'm having a good old time, right? I'm all pumped up. I mean, you know, the show starts and it's like it's like all phones. Like everyone's got their phone out, and I'm just like, I, I kind of wish when a band of this magnitude, when they do a show like this, they would take the phones like kind of like they do on a one of those big like comedy comedy shows. Because, you know, I do think it takes away from it, especially it's like the first song, usually it pumped up and everyone's just about that video. Listen, I took some video too, but I just waited, you know, like halfway through the set, just, you know, from the back. But um, but anyway, that was, that was a little disappointing. And then I noticed, you know, I was, you know, one, actually, here's here's a, one thing. I've been to the Palladium a bunch of times, played it, Battles just played there on the Pop Roach tour. And I've, and I've seen, been there for a lot of sold out shows and it wasn't nearly as packed as a lot of the other sold out shows which tells me maybe they just didn't sell as many tickets maybe they were a little you know a little more restrictive of it but another thing i know you know i'd be you know i'd be singing along not even to just like the deeper cuts you know like coma or stuff like that uh and i just like i'm singing i'm feeling it i'm looking around and motherfuckers wasn't feeling it quite as hard as i was they weren't singing quite as much as i was and i it, it reminded me of the time I went to see Metallica at uh, Orion Fest in Atlantic City. And I had just toured with Metallica before that. So I was lucky enough to get a guest list through the band. So the tickets I got was this thing called the Snake Pit. And it was basically right in front of the stage. Uh, I don't even know how many people could fit in there. Maybe 500. Um, and they played the Black Album. from Not from beginning to end, from end to the beginning. And that's like my shit. That's probably my favorite Metallica album. And I know all you motherfuckers, you haters out there, like Master of Puppets, Injustice. I'm like, I, I get it. I'm sure te- technically Master of Puppets is a better album, but you know, sentimentally, it's a black album for me. But anyway, I'm just singing along. I'm looking around. And I'm like, motherfuckers just aren't feeling it like Doc Coyle. And then I kind of started thinking about it, you know, the, the correlation between two of these events. Is that, you know, if you had to pay to get in the snake pit, if you had to pay to go to this show, you know, it was a few hundred dollars to go to go to the, each of these shows. And that really prices out a big portion of the really excitable, amped up, beer drinking super fan, you know. Um, and I don't know. And then here's the other thing that really I, I was kind of crazy was like you know you go to you, you go to a sold out show at at the Palladium and it's you know it's hard to get up front it's hard you know it's packed and it's nuts like I was there for corn it was nuts you couldn't get get up there dude I could walk at this show with the one of the a band that comes to Los Angeles and does you know sixty thousand people or something and they're in a room with three thousand people and people you know it's Guns N' Roses so they go they go on late they're supposed to go on nine they didn't play to like eleven <laughs> and. uh I had a friend of mine who remained nameless who was like, yeah, we got sick of waiting. We went home. I'm like, wait a second. You spent like $400 on tickets and you're just going to go home on a Friday night. Like I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And then I noticed as the show was going on, people were leaving. It was, you know, I could walk, I could get, you know, 50 feet away from the band. And I'm and it just pissed me off that, in a lot of ways, you know, the, you know, these high priced kind of tiers and these things, it's like, you know, they, as I say, youth is wasted or uh, youth, youth is wasted on the young. 
in a lot of ways, these these kind of privileged environments are wasted on the people that that have the resources to experience them. And it's it's, it's a real shame because for me, I'm like, this is epic. This is I'm going to remember this for the for the rest of my life. And, you know, for people that got it all, it's just a little trivial. And it really bothered me. It really bothered me that everyone did not appreciate the moment quite as much as I did. And, uh, and yeah, just wanted to kind of, you know, talk about that and be sad for a minute. I, I don't, and I don't hope it doesn't come off as a complainy or anything like that, but it's just a, something that I had to share. It's like, you know what, man, if you ever get lucky enough to see one of these shows and you, I don't know, man, I think maybe that's why I'm a musician and that's why I got into this because, you know, certain people just vibe on it on this stuff a little bit harder than than, than someone else it's, it's you know it's, a, it's like religion for me because i don't i don't have religion so that's i guess rock and roll is my religion it's how it goes anyway let's move on to something a little more hopeful but by the way yo, guns and roses was the shit that shit was amazing and uh you know if you have an opportunity to see them please please do the, the the lineup is so great and they do these interludes and the guitar playing is insane and Axel sounds great, you know. I, I personally loved it a lot. And their 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 drummer uh, Frank is from New Jersey, so shout out to Frank. You know, they got another brother in the band, you know. So you know, feeling that shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to this week's show sponsor. We have a band from Portland, Oregon, and they're called We're All Wrong, and we're gonna play a track from them entitled "Living Dead." Check it out.
on June 14th. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hi, I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. We want to tell you about our podcast, None But the Brave, which is dedicated to taking a deep dive into the work of Bruce Springsteen. We're currently in our fifth season. Our latest episodes focus heavily on Bruce's 2024 tour and have featured such guests as Anthony Castrovince from MLB Network and Barstool's Kirk Minahan. We're also covering the 40th anniversary of Bruce's biggest record, Born in the USA. And as part of that, coming up this week... Uproxx cultural critic Stephen Hyden returns to the show for a fascinating hour-long conversation about his new book. There was nothing you could do. Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and the End of the Heartland. To listen, you can go to our website, mbtbpodcast.com, or subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform. We hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. So there you have it. That track is entitled Living Dead by We're All Wrong, a brand new metal band from Portland, Oregon. And that is from their self-titled EP, which just came out last month. And you can check that out on we'reallwrong.bandcamp.com. And that whole EP was actually uh, produced and written by the uh, the singer Samuel Risenhoover and the... Uh, Yes, the guitar player. He played everything. Um, Spencer Miller and uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. I, it it felt unique and different. You guys know there's so much uh, out there musically these days that it's very, you know, it's like we heard where that came from. I hear where that and that it sounds like they're doing something uh, a little different, and I think that's really cool. Um, let you guys know if you're a bass player or a drummer, and if you like what you heard, and if you live in the Portland area, I even say you know from Seattle maybe. Maybe uh, go down and, and uh, look these guys up because they're actually looking for a bass player and drummer. So you can actually uh, hit them up through Bandcamp or drop them an email at we'reallwrong at gmail.com. And it is, it's weird like with an apostrophe, but all of their uh, their email and their socials and websites, there's no apostrophe. So it's like we're we're all wrong. Uh, but yeah, definitely check them out on there. They're also on SoundCloud, Instagram, all the same thing. We're all wrong. Thank you so much to them for supporting the show. I think what they're doing is very, very cool. And if you'd like to sponsor the X-Man, hit me up on social media or drop me an email at the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. Bam. 
Okay, without further ado, let me just give a little quick intro to this week's guest. His name is Joshua Travis, and uh, he is a bona fide badass. And if you don't know, you don't know. But if you do know, you understand that this guy uh, really has been making an impact in his kind of uh, corner of the scene in, in the in the metal and metalcore world, deathcore, whatever you want to you 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 want to call it. And you'll you'll hear me kiss his butt a lot <laughs> in uh, in the early part of this this interview. But um, you know, I'm really for me, it's it's really important to get the brothers on the show. I've been I've been talking to a lot of black people lately, um, and part of that is uh, it's on purpose because you know that's just that's what I gotta do, guys. All right, gotta get the brothers on the, and the sisters. And everybody, listen, I want everyone on the show, I don't, you know, but you know, diversity matters to me. I know that shit's kind of considered corny or PC or, or whatever these days, but, uh, it still does, does matter to me. And, uh, but anyway, he, he's someone I've, I've wanted to get on the show for a while and you'll hear him say he, he's never done a podcast before. So this is kind of a big deal. So anyway, um, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the man, Joshua Travis. asked to do a podcast i don't believe so how is that uh, how's that how am i the first person to to, to think about this <laughs> i uh see you know you, you know it's um on your your wikipedia scene legend what no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no like i think i have like a very low presence because i'm you know doing whatever like i'm doing life i'm not really like posting anything yeah. ever like it's like food or whatever shots whatever you know some photographer or videographer gets or whatever but as far as like me and my personal life i don't really post anything about yeah. that not nothing at all so i don't really have like a crazy presence out out in the in the world of this so i think most people probably wouldn't even think to be like let's get this dude in here like they don't even know who <laughs> this dude is well i but i do think you're someone that 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 people know about because you know i'll say for for, for myself like um you became someone on on my radar in a big way because one of my one of my good friends, you know what I'm saying, like praise at the Josh Travis altar, and I was like, because <laughs> you know, and you know he was just a really big Danza fan, and, and in a way, I think it's it's somewhat it's funny because I just found out we're basically the same age, mm-hmm. but it's like a just from a, like a generational st- standpoint. You know where you know God forbid came into the scene as like kind of the metalcore world by the time some of your bands started to kind of gain more prominence. I kind of either was, we were like less in that scene or mm-hmm. kind of more, you know, just in the general metal world. Right, and, and you right, kind of, right. you know, and it's difficult sometimes to stay in touch with what's happening kind of more in the underground when you're just, yeah, you know. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, so anyway, so a lot of, so I, it was like bands I would hear about, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, you know, you're just not on top of it like you used to be yep. back in the day when you're yep. playing the same venues, playing, you know, in those those same circles, you mm-hmm. know. I know so, all about that, 100%. But no, but I was saying like, like so as just kind of hear, hearing from that and then one thing I noticed when you when you joined Immure, <laughs> uh, it was like, it's like you're one of those guys, like every musician in our so- side of it you have like 100% approval. Everyone's like, yo, that's the dude. Or if you like, if you see something like, you know, some post and you look at the comments, like the people who know, I guess you're one of those guys that more musicians know than more so than like the regular mm-hmm. Joe, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, 
So anyway, but but I do think in the in those circles, you're about as respected as as anyone out there. I mean, that's that's really cool. I I, I will never really understand why, because I'm just doing whatever you know came to the head. Well, no, know? I think well, it's one, I, I think you're you're pretty unique because so many guitar players, um, especially in like the extreme music world, are get known for kind of being shredders or being mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lead players right. um, on that side of things, doing things really, really flashy. Whereas, you know, you, you're, even though, you know, I see things you do technique-wise, I'm like, God damn, this dude can really, really play from a, from a technical st standpoint, but just being kind of more known as a rhythm guitar mm -hmm. player exactly and it's it's i think it's more difficult to kind of be known as like oh that guy is really really sick in that it's interesting. realm i guess i've never really thought about it like that but i mean everything you're saying does totally make sense like when people you know associate my name with like so many awesome players and not when i say players i'm really speaking from like a more lead standpoint shredder standpoint like to me those are like the types of guitar players and guitarists that really should be getting that kind of attention because look at what they are doing yeah you know and like when you see my name amongst all these other guys that's you know and girls even like it don't it, it doesn't make any sense it's just like what are what are you talking about like are you seeing what these people are doing and then look at what I'm doing. Yeah, there there might be some quirky techniques, some weird little things that I do here and there, or whatever. But it's like these people, to me, are insane. They're stupid. Like, look at what they are doing. I cannot do that stuff. So when you know anybody's like, "Yo, you're shredding," blah blah blah, blah it's like I'm pretty sure you got me confused with somebody <laughs> else, bro. But I mean, thank you so much. That's so cool of you. But. You're tripping. Like I, I can show you some killers on strings, killers on strings. Well, I don't know. I the stuff. I you know usually I try to bone up, you know, and kind of get a feel for someone's entire career and that's everything. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the one thing that stands out to me is, uh, you know, obviously the stuff is very heavy and comes from that. You know, I don't even know. It, it's kind of interesting because you think about the the trends mm -hmm. that have kind of made the biggest impact in 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 heavy music. It was like okay, there's a deathcore thing and there's mm -hmm. a gent thing and there's this tech death metal thing or whatever. But if I look at all your work, it doesn't seem to neatly fit into any of those categories, wow. which, which, cool. is kind of, which is kind of interesting. It doesn't like, oh, because uh, I mean, with, with Tony Danza, was that, were you guys considered deathcore or what? Or, I think at certain times, like the earlier stuff that I didn't have anything to do with, was probably way uh, more. I, I don't. I, hopefully, this is actually like a term, but I feel like they called it tech death. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, that's what I remember them being. But it doesn't feel death metal to me at, at all. It's still right. To right. me, it's more like in. I don't know. I, in a weird way, it sounds. Some of it sound almost like grindcore ish. Yes, absolutely. We got we got that a lot. Definitely got grind a lot. Yeah. And when I started writing, it took like a major turn because yeah. I I don't write like that i don't hear stuff like that i never really listened to much like that and so it kind of started to take a new shape but becoming the writer for a band that was established already that i have nothing to do with i don't know anything about this sound i don't know anything that they're doing and just try to pick up and run with it was like really weird so i just i tried to do the best of my ability really but it was you know super super different it's got different it went probably way more uh you know, uh, rhythm and like groove oriented yeah, at yeah. that point. You know? But that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of through line that I, I kind of hear through this, even what you're doing now is mm -hmm. that kind of 
chunky, groovy, mm-hmm. gr- groovy thing. One thing, one one thing you have to tell me about because I, I realized it. It was there before you joined the band. Like, where did, do you know the genesis of those the the noodly like <laughs> off one half step things? Oh, okay. So where where did where because did, did, did Tony Danza invent that? No. Who? No, I don't honestly know who invented it. I don't. Re- I don't even recall where I first heard. Is that, that. the t- is that the thing you're no- most known for? Yes, people? yes, it is. Like that. Just what, the, what the do they half, call it? The, the half step distance. I don't. I don't know what people really call it. I will tell you what I have always called it. Like back when, like, and even before Tony Danza, we had these humongous pedal boards that you get to write out the name on the screen. You know, I always called it the yuck. The yuck. That's just that's what if as soon as you put that pitch shifter on fifty <laughs> fifty and then move that note any direction it's it's just automatically gross unless you're doing like a pretty harmony or something like that yeah I never do that I just I stick to dissonance that's always been my thing I love dissonance and trying to make dissonance work with something that is like basically the polar opposite of it where say maybe it's not major but it's like some kind of melody happening and then you put this ridiculous <laughs> dissonance with it and then trying to trying to figure out how to make them have a home together yeah you know that's always been my thing it's always dark and you know something like that so but the yuck is that's 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 my everything like i mean i've been doing i've been using pitch shifting forever like that's always been my favorite thing like pitch that's why you don't really hear a crazy amount of effects in anything i do but you hear a lot of pitch yeah you know and like probably a lot of ways that you know (laughs) smart people don't do was there a certain pedal you used Oh, for well, back in the day, I used a lexicon processor. It's like a old school thing, like an MPX one, I think is what it was called. You were just toe tapping, or did you have no? Like I, this, is, this is a rack mount thing, and you just I ran it in the effects loop of my amps, and then going back to that big old pedal board. That's yeah. how you controlled it. So you just turn the effects loop, turn it on and off, and then yeah, I'd have to manually go up to this thing in the middle of song sometimes and change the dial because this is before pedal boards could communicate with the device, you know change this and move this you know filter around whatever moments or you know keys or whatever we didn't even have that stuff back then so we had to go over to it and start dialing stuff in while you're playing something I've been like there. it was ridiculous and then i heard of the whammy the way yeah the whammy the way the great whammy pedal uh-huh. i have i have utilized it uh to actually is there is there a setting on there for that that pitch? I, I don't think so. I don't think there is like literally four. There's some that ugly one. harmonies on there. Yeah, for there sure. definitely is. It's like you can play with it at the right on the pedal at the right spot, and you can you can get. It. I mean, I've, now I'm using a bunch of different pitch stuff. Yeah, I use tons of different pitch devices now. But, but you like, use. I mean, last time I saw you, you were using boogie stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so I, I always tried to stick with tube amps. Like yeah. I just for whatever reason those are just my my go-to like I, and i've been using amps forever there was a while i used uh the axe effects like i just ran those straight up and although i did love it and i love all the effects right there on board i don't have to have like a lot of gear but it's never the same yeah. not to say it's not great but it's not the same yeah I'm, i've been running to that recently where mm-hmm. i got this thing called the uh two notes torpedo i use it too and uh well it's just i bought it you know and i brought it home and i just like my main, I use the EV, EVH stuff, mm-hmm. and I my main 100 watts in my rig, and I have a 50 watt at home, and I mm-hmm. just just set it up real quick, and I was just like, whoa, this rules. <laughs> well, yeah, just yeah. I, I just felt well. I feel like using the the Kemp. I use I use a Kemper, and mm-hmm. I, the same thing. I think it's fucking great. I think it's amazing, uh, but I feel like I'm like the touch is off just just the way it responds to your mm-hmm. hands and especially doing you know i do a lot more leads mm-hmm. just you know 
just pulling a note and letting it ring and sing, it just doesn't have the same re response for me. Yeah. So I remember getting that and it was like, I think I have to go back and, right, and build, build right. and build it. And you know, Bad Wolves has a very unique to uh, guitar tone. So it's something where I'd really have to invest some money to kind of figure out how to create uh, yep. an analog rig. Mm -hmm. But I was just, I was saying that, but on, on this record, because by the way, you guys don't know this, but we're in the uh, house where they're they're recording the new Amir <laughs> record. I got, got to hear a little stuff and I saw a Kemper in there. So it was like for the purpose of the record, you'll use mm -hmm. um, like a Kemper or something like that. Yeah, whenever we're tracking, it's like, there's so many different ways you can go about it. Like for me, I've, we, you know, wrote all this stuff at home before we came out here. And you use like the torpedo at home with the boogie? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, and I had just really started using the torpedoes and I've been mean, running cabs forever and it was kind of like, you know, when you got to go overseas, you don't want to be lugging a bunch of whatever gear yep. around. Obviously, we can get the gear there as well, but you still sometimes you don't really want to have to carry all this gear around yeah. all the time. Especially if you don't so, fly dates. Or... Exactly. You know, and then you never know what you're really going to get when you get there. So it's kind of like, you know, I started, you know, looking at other stuff. I tried out. Uh, what, what are they? Uh, it's a, a bunch of different plugins. I actually used the Fortin plugins live really? for two tours, and it was sick. How do you switch with it? I, I, there was nothing that I had to switch. Oh, just one? You yeah, have one heavy I, tone. Literally, that's it. That's all I need. And then I have, like, the whammy or whatever other pedals that I might need, and all I'd have to do is literally take the Fortin, turn off the cab sim on it, and run that out of my interface straight into the two notes. Yeah. And then there you go. So now I'm still utilizing both of these things, and it, it sounded sick. And then, you know, the last record, you know, we were using like a JCM 800 hot mod and it was like very interesting tone, like not what you would think to be doing like anything down, down tuned yeah, at all. Yeah, it doesn't have that, uh, that kind of fuzzy <laughs> kind of top end yep. that, that all the modern. It was, it was very weird, very weird tone. Like if you listen to it soloed. It's not cool. <laughs> like it does not sound good. But when you listen to it in the mix, do you even it own a really six cool. string tune to standard? I actually <laughs> ESP. Like uh, Tony was like, yeah, for whatever reason, we were talking one time, and I told him, I literally said, dude, I don't even have a six string. And he said, well, you do now. And then he sent me a six string. What did he, I, what did he send you? I, it was like a maybe it's like a Viper. I think okay. they call it like a kind of SG. Yes, body yes, style? something like that. And he sent me that, and I jammed on it for a while, and it was like, okay, this is super, super fun to play because it's like so little. Yeah, you know, like I'm not used to that. You know, going from I started off on sevens, and then sevens to eights, and then eights to nines, and then to get a six string was like. What am I holding? Right so why now? did you, why did you start? What was the band or like music that inspired you to start on sevens? Jeez, I guess like Fear Factory was really? a, was a huge one. Like Fear Factory is like I, I blame my right hand on Fear Factory. And no, you no, you thank your no you because thank you. no, I don't. I blame them because dude, I would sit. I man, I I can't even tell you how many hours. And I just would never stop. I would just, I wouldn't stop until I could come close to playing some of the stuff that they were doing. And that stuff is brutal. Yeah, man. Like very, I mean, very Dino, brutal. Dino is one of the best rhythm guitar players absolutely, ever. Dude, absolutely. And, and especially, you know, as a, as only in one guitar band. Yes. And the yes. tone and same thing. So he, apparently, uh, and I got to, you know, get him on here to, to talk about the, the tone on, uh, you know, some on like demanufacturer, but oh, apparently yeah. it was, it was a hot rod at Marshall. Really? Yeah. And then they <laughs> they had all their gear stolen. Uh, someone stole their whole truck. And so I guess they lost this like this 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 one head. And so like in recent years, he was using like Line 6 stuff. And mm -hmm. like, now he's using Kemper and stuff. But that was a very definitive definitive tone. But yeah, but that 
that right hand stuff is, is yeah, no it's, joke. It's, it's insane. It, but like, you weren't you weren't, it, a, you weren't a corn guy. Oh, I absolutely was. Okay. But that was that's like a different. Um, I don't even know how to word it. It's like a different side of playing to me. It's like you have like your well, it's not super tech. Yeah, it's not metallic. Yeah, in that same way of it's of, way of, raw. Yeah, well, you know? it's to me the the Fear Factory thing and even like Meshuggah to a certain degree still their early stuff is still rooted in thrash uh -huh. and death metal uh, -huh. uh whereas corn it's it's like they're almost coming from it from a more i don't even know if rock is the right word but it's a it's a it's just a, a little more looser a little more open yes. a little more yes. kind of ambient you know mm -hmm. and it's and it's and it's not all about being tight on the right hand right yeah. and that that's where both of those worlds collided for me where it was like basically studying Bands like Fear Factory and Mushuga and I mean the, the the list could go on forever. And then there was like a whole other side that came into it, which was like Corn, Limp Biscuit, Deftones, Soulfly kind of met in the middle. Yeah. Then there was bands like Seven Dust that still really brought back this whole percussive side. And you know that band is they can be as technical as anybody can. Yeah. Doesn't mean they have to. It doesn't mean they're gonna do it. Clint but can you shred can his ass off. Yeah. <laughs> That band is absurd. Like no, it's, it's so it's so funny how many you know because I I had uh, Clint on the show and I I was telling him how like in the kind of metalcore scene how like they are secretly one of the most influential bands absolutely um and nobody even realizes yeah that. I mean I think certain things are obvious when you hear like how bury your dead change a little mm -hmm. bit through the years I mean even that that bring me the horizon song happy uh, happy happy song mm -hmm. dude or I forget how it fucking goes but that song even some of the newer asking Alexandria stuff I'm like those are just you know some seven dust joints <laughs> right you know right. um and even bad wolves we have we have mm -hmm. a lot of that where it's like a, a very definitive uh reference point yeah you know big big like super influ influential where, where did you grow up st louis in st louis illinois. Okay. i guess i should say i really grew up in illinois and kind of small town in collinsville pretty yeah. uh, pretty small town and i was like you know kind of small groups of friends but we all played and you know we all you know we had bands like we would literally be like changing members between the bands you know like it was just how it was and you know uh the dudes who I really ended up sticking with for a long time were basically the dudes who kind of taught me everything I knew, you know, like as far as like guitar and yeah, I actually played drums forever. You're like a, the Renaissance man. I've, I've seen you like I've seen <laughs> vocal credits, <laughs> drums, you bass, oh, man, yeah. and you, you produce. Let's say you're one of those guys. I The, the people I I have uh, jealousy and envy towards <laughs> that can do that can do every everything. I mean, I tell you what, I cannot shred. So I, take that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. I'm gonna pick up a guitar right now, do a shred off, and I'm not gonna do it. I'll be like, I'll tell you what, I will. I'll back you up in the rhythm all day, dude. I got you there. But like playing drums for so long, and the guy is in his Nate Northway. Uh, basically playing with him, like I was playing drums, watching him play guitar. He was so sick. And it was just so awesome and like inspiring watching him play that it made me want to learn how to play guitar. Yeah. So I quit playing drums and I made him teach me everything that he knew until I got to a point where it's like, okay, now I know how to play anything. Then he started teaching me about this is a, a, a DAW, this is an interface. This is, dude, I'm talking, we were recording stuff so long ago. Interfaces were not a thing that you just go buy at a guitar center. I don't even know if there was a guitar center then. You know, it's like you were plugging in. Like what age were we talking about? Oh, man, I guess we were maybe like 19. Yeah. You know, like super young. So you're plugging in these zoom pedals into like a 
a, the weird old school connection on the back of a computer where you have to go like eighth inch into it. Yeah. And that was like your your interface basically. And like that's where I started learning everything. So you're kind of like an OG like bedroom I, producer literally, jammer guy. Literally. Like that's where it all started for me. And then, you know, start ramping up forward, moving on, moving on. Started like trying to really like hone in on it and like that's why i was saying bands like you know uh fear factory and you know just this this the right hand just murdering of strings and picks it's like i don't know man what if I, what if i just would have like learned how to shred <laughs> what if i would have been like the <laughs> guy but, but like, here's but here's the thing though dino wasn't that guy either he's right he's, he's right. also a guy who made his name uh in a big way mm -hmm. as a rhythm guitar player and as a and i think a lot of times you got to remember too it's not just about technique right it's right. about riff writing and songwriting yeah. and style mm -hmm. and, and and that is the and i think that's the point because there's some really tight players out there but can you write a fucking riff <laughs> do you know what i'm saying i do i know exactly what you're saying and I, I've, I've seen that a lot and i think you know? that i think you're kind of born with that you mm -hmm. know just having that creative edge or or having something to say whether that's a personality thing whether mm -hmm. it's a, just a an artistic thing or, or whatever and, and you know and obviously we all start emulating uh our heroes and, and things like that but eventually it's like uh what do you have to say as a as a player you know and i think and i think that's and i think lead it lead in some ways is is very similar to that there's like oh here's like a, yeah. a marty friedman style solo here's a john Petru and you and you know slash is my favorite guitar player mm -hmm. Not because he's the most technically proficient, it's because of his style and his right. feel and his melody and, mm -hmm. and his tone and, and that stuff, you know? Are you really like, you must be familiar with Car Bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guitar player, <laughs> he's second to none in my opinion. Like, what he does. They got a lot of yuck. Oh my lord. They have, <laughs> they have, uh, they, they don't even. Like the name for theirs is whatever Yuck's big brother is. Yeah, that's what they have. And I mean, I've been I've hit the dude up so many times. I just want to know what's his name. I don't I don't even remember. You don't remember I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> like I have hit, I probably have messages in my phone right now that are still sitting there. Like please read me. Hi, I'm just I just have questions. <laughs> so this is just like from back in the day or recently? Recently, oh, recently. like probably within the last year even. Like <laughs> I want to know so bad what he is using to get all these sounds and like. I mean, yeah. Someone played uh, something new by them. Like, you gotta check this out. I'm like, uh -huh. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, it's it's straight up nightmare. It's nightmare music. Like, it literally, it's the real version of that. But it's so cool. And like, you know, going back to like, you know, talking about people's styles and like how they are and like the way that they write. And like, for me personally, like, it's it's kind of weird to say this, but like, everything that I put out has about, I don't know. 35% of what I want to be doing in it. Like mm -hmm. when I think, if what, is I that, want, what do you mean by that? Like if I was to just do whatever it is I want to do, it's probably going to be all over the place. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really consider myself to be a person who plays this style. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's all styles. Like yeah. I want to do so much of everything, but you can't really do that so much like in a specific project, like especially a project that has its own sound, that has had its own sound. It's, you know, built its, you know, everything. And when I come in and have to like, you know, take the writing position, it's like, well, I can't just go left field with this. Well, especially know? when you're you're joining a band that exactly. has, a, has a sound that's already been, been, exactly. been established, you know. But it's funny you kind of mentioned that because I was, you know, uh, 
my friend that I said that kind of uh, put you on 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 my radar. He, you know, he would just always talk about Glass Cloud. Glass Cloud, mm-hmm. just, just, that's like one of his favorite bands. And I went and I listened to it and I was like, wow, so this is a lot different. It's It really stands out, I think, of a lot of other stuff you've done because it's it has a lot more melody. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's, uh, and one thing, and I think there is a through line, whether it's uh, the, the Danza stuff or Glass Cloud or, or even... The Amur stuff is everything you do is atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Like you all, it's never just pure chug, right. pure beat down. Uh, there's always this sense of kind of like haunting, mm-hmm. you know, kind of ambience and kind of, you know, droney notes. And, yeah, and yeah. But that's even more pronounced in, in, in Glass Cloud and it has mm-hmm. some melodic vocals in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I was, I was noticing is the EP, the, the second release, there's almost no melodic vocals in it yeah, and it kind of bummed and it kind of bummed me out because i thought that's what <laughs> no because i think that's what made the the band stick out or yeah, like yeah. you know probably was, so was there a reason why why you guys did, did less singing uh, on that record if anything it was definitely my fault yeah. <laughs> definitely like but that that is uh me doing more of what i actually want to be doing it's heavier you want yes. to go heavier like i always i mean that's that's where i that's where it came from you know it's like that is what I naturally feel, what I naturally hear, it's got to just be slamming. Yeah. Class Cloud's first uh, release, you can you can see both worlds. You know, it's like it, there is a lot of singing and you know, and a lot of a lot of. But even musically, melody. like that first riff and that first song, it's like it almost sounded like something like Gojira would do. Mm-hmm. Like it had, it just had a re- it movement wise, it really stuck out to me. I was like, oh, this is I vibe, mm-hmm. I vibe. Well, it's funny because I because I found out the couple of the dudes in Glasgow to ended up playing in Glass Jaw. Yes, and and me when I was thinking of Glass, I'm like that super heavy band. But then when I heard the record, I was like, oh, now I kind of get the through line mm-hmm. why they why they mm-hmm. think uh, or that why those guys would work because yeah. there is some of that kind of airy post hardcore kind of yeah. vibe to it as well. But also like Glassjaw is still very technical too. Like even though you may not really hear it and say like, oh this is insane. It there you there's technique about all of oh, yeah, what of they course. do. You can hear it. And both of the guys that went from Glass Cloud to Glassjaw are insane. Yeah. Like insane. Oh I know. Players. I saw. You know, so yeah you Oh you guys it. also watch watch a video uh, live video. You guys are playing at Norva or something. Okay, those, and you guys come out. The guy, these guys, you guys got to go on YouTube watch this. They come out and they're all ch- like chugging and spinning in a circle, <laughs> and that's the way they start. And it was like a the one thing I thought I was like, man, I feel like I get really dizzy. <laughs> the second thing I was like, that's pretty sick. That's a mm-hmm. sick move. That's a pretty sick. It's something. It's not sustainable. You can't just spin. The yeah, whole you show. can't. You can't. Not at all. <laughs> but it was a fucking, a fucking really energetic way. Who, who came up with that? I honestly don't even know. I don't even remember doing this. I that wasn't like, like a thing you did at every oh, show. No, no. Like there, there's, <laughs> I, I there's it was no, like your thing. Like no, like there, there, there's no telling. Which is what was really fun about Glass Cloud was there's no telling what was going to happen any show ever. Like there was never two shows that we even played the same set. Like everything changed every single day. Like you know, Chad would just make up new drums like right there on the spot. Yeah. But it was like it was cool because when he would be doing that, like the rest of us would know that he's changing something right now, obviously. And so we'd all look back, and when he nails it, we would all freak out right there on the stage. But meanwhile, there's a show going on, yeah. and at this point, it's behind us because we're sitting here looking at Chad, and everybody in the crowd is over there. So and we're just over here hyping him up because he just just killed it and like 
that was like the the dynamic of that band. Like every, every day, who knows where it's gonna be? Who knows? Yeah. You know, I'd be changing guitar parts right there. Like no, I, I no, I, I not that I noticed that, but I did notice there was a a kind of looseness and kind of freedom to it, which is rare. You know, because mm-hmm. I think I think these days, especially kind of in the YouTube era, where people want to kind of hone in on someone fucking up and mm-hmm. and uh, you know kind of clowning them. So I think bands perform with a lot more fear now yeah. that if things don't sound perfect or like the record that uh you know it just it, it won't be received well. well i'll tell you what amir right now for since 2015 every single show i guarantee you i fuck up something yeah. every single day and i'm human i'm gonna do that and i don't care like if you hated it so much, well, I'm sorry that sucks, but I'm just gonna have as much fun as I can, and that's all. That's all that I'm gonna do, no matter what. And like the whole, it's got to be perfect. Like, what is perfect? Like sometimes the mistakes are what make certain parts. You know, it's like just that one little. Oh, I just wiped my hand across the string for some reason, and it make this little whoop noise right before the whatever part. Like that ended up making it, yeah. and now you're gonna want to like mess up every time. But to do that, to pull that off, yeah, some, you know? some shit you can't even replicate. Like there's a yeah. <laughs> there's a solo on the Bad Wolves record for the song No Masters, and I did this thing where I bended a string, and somehow it created like a harmonic <laughs> on the on the like so I bent on the F on the G string and it created a harmonic on the B string yep. that like and it and I had the wah pedal on so it like accentuated yep. it. And it created sound. I could never do that again in a hundred right, years. Right, right, right. Um, and it's like, and you're just like, yo. Sometimes you you, you step in step in shit as it as it were. So, so yeah, <laughs> I listen. love that. I love that. Yeah, and listen, I think it, it depends on on the band, and mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, and I think, um, you know, me, it's something. I, I guess I've never really been in a band that's been super loose yeah. in that in that regard. It's always been kind of a. A mountain to climb, right. I guess, in in terms of like trying to pull off something and give it some cohesion and mm-hmm. kind of precision, yeah, you know. And it's yeah. been it's it's it. There's a balance, I mm-hmm. think, you know. But I definitely like. I just got on ears recently, mm-hmm. and uh, and I kind of hate it because yeah, because because you can hear all the bullshit, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it makes it so it makes you, I think, maybe take risks a little less or kind mm-hmm. of be a little more conservative with, uh, you know, just moving as round because you're like, oh, I know it's going to be a little mushy or, mm-hmm. or, or or something. So you, so it tends to be. I remember the first couple of shows playing, I was like, I was stuck. It was I was weird. Like, oh, I can't do anything because <laughs> I'm going to fuck it up. We switched ears, like, I guess maybe less than a year ago. And I do remember, like, the first, like, playthrough with everybody with them was, like, really strange and then i spent a lot of time on dialing in everybody's mix and then it was just like normal basically yeah you know it didn't seem any different didn't feel any different like the the volume of what's going on in your head is so cool until the song stops and you're you look over at your singer and he's you don't have and any you, vocals in the moment? No, 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 no. I can't do that. Yeah, I, I, it's it's really weird doing it like that because I'd have to have like a different kind of setup for him. We're doing like the most bare bones version of running an in ear rig, so we don't actually have to take a split yeah. and do all that stuff. I don't. I'm, it's if we did that, I have to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. So like we have like the most scaled down version of it, so we don't have any vocals live, which we could, you know, 
technically defeat that just by putting up some uh some room mics mm-hmm. you know and just running those into the mix or yeah whatever. we have some we have some room mics and, right and me half the time the last try i just i take out one ear really yeah man I yeah, just, they say that's so bad for for your, your hearing to do just that. having one yeah. one in there i've read that in so many different places so I, I always keep my name but that's got to be cool to be able to have the environment of the room you i know? just i just feels i literally play worse when I'm too self-conscious. So like yeah. even even without what I'm doing, I can never be in a situation, even if I didn't have ears, mm-hmm. where like my guitar is really loud and I can't really hear. I, I want an album mix. I want it balanced. Yeah. Where I'm just slightly louder. Yeah. That's and then that's what we have. Yeah. That's how I did everybody's mixes. So it's like it sounds damn near just like the record. Yeah. You know, but again, like when the song's done and you see all these people out here that are saying whatever, I can't hear a single noise well i hope you know like, what song you're playing next or it's not only reason i do is because there's a call out oh, of what it is song, yeah. it's like okay and, and i have to have a different one because whatever the songs are called on the record i, ha- I have literally no idea you what have the old, the old of course yeah so like you know the intro is called shut up or something or whatever it is you know like that's what the names are for me yeah so when if something goes wrong and they're like we have to skip this song and go to the next one and they say the real name of the song i can't help but say what is that yeah. Like, I have no idea. We're playing Smokey. It's like, what the fuck is Smokey? <laughs> you know, they're like, number three. That that helps, too. Number three. If you tell me number three, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. So it's, it's wild, though. Well, it's funny. So speaking of Emir, um, so before you were playing with this with this band, like, what did you have, like, a main thing? Like, like was Glass Cloud your main thing? Yeah, or? it was. And, and, like, I guess, I guess, like, were you able to have a true career in, in music? Like, were you was touring and recording? Was that your full-time job? Or did you, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I was a bum. <laughs> like, it was. Like, you were we, just getting by. Barely. Yeah, barely. Yeah. Barely. Like, it was really rough. But, I mean, what do you expect? You're a brand new band. Nobody knows who you yeah. are. You know, we were, like, very, very lucky to get, you know, all of the, the opportunities that we got. We're very lucky. It doesn't really, well, then, anyways, it didn't really happen like that for green bands. Just doesn't really work out like that you got to have like some some kind of big power behind you to really pull that off you know yeah. and you know we were one of those bands really lucky and so you know it wasn't necessarily enough to sustain what i would think would be okay this is cool life i can handle this you know mm-hmm. but you know once that started swinging down you know and dying down it was kind of like i don't really know <laughs> know what to do from here but this is what i've always tried to really gear my life towards was something to do with music and not it doesn't even necessarily have to be a touring thing. Like where I really get my enjoyment out of it is the creation process. Yeah. You know, it's like not to say that I don't like touring because I definitely do. But, you know, there's always something about a job that you're like, oh, yeah, no yeah, to- touring. I Listen, I think touring, especially like I said, we're the same age. So mm-hmm. you probably have some of the same back neck <laughs> oh knee. man it doesn't even matter if i'm on tour anymore yeah. it hurts all the time yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so you're you know you're in that probably that's that same boat where there are diminishing returns mm-hmm. and, and then also also i think as you get a little older you know you deal with family you know mm-hmm. you're you're you know maybe your parents get a little older you know i i don't know if you have kids or anything like that maybe you're away from family you miss you know weddings you miss reunions you yeah, miss holidays yeah, yeah. um and i think that impacts hits you a little harder when you get older yeah whereas when you're young it's like ah, I'll, 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 I'll get s- back i'll see you in a little bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and, and it's not quite as precious but then we, we get older like hey, i only got too many of these damn thanksgivings <laughs> exactly, left exactly dude exactly you know so yeah. so so i i do think touring even for me like i i've kind of like i have one 
uh, kind of benchmark coming up where I'm, battles is going out with Megadeth, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of like it's little things like that that keep me motivated. Of like, yeah. all right, this is something. This is the reason why I picked up a guitar. Yeah, reason. that's rather epic. Also, yeah. you know, that's like, Listen, and I've had a bunch of those moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to, but something like that is like, well. That's something that it will definitely go like kind of in the history books for yeah. for my for my personal thing. But for the most part, I've done all the the things that like there's nothing like I need to do. I need to be in music. Yeah, I got it. Nah, pretty much. I did way more than I ever thought I would do. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not like I don't really have any of those. Like I need a Grammy or something. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. I mean, if I get a Grammy, I'm like yeah, that's cool. You know? Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> that <laughs> that's, is sick for yeah, sure. It, well, well, like I said, well. We shall see. I don't. I, I'm, 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 I'm not like, rooting for you guys. Dude. Well, I'm, let's see. I wouldn't count on any of that shit. To be honest, <laughs> I don't think we're. I don't think we're. Uh, we're cool enough to to get a Grammy. But... I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I'm rooting for you guys either way. Like, that's it's sick. Like, I love that. You know, I do. I mean, I want that for fucking anybody that can get up there, dude. I don't care if you play country or fucking bluegrass. I don't give a shit. Like, I just want everybody to just do the do the best. Yeah. You know, do the best that you can and like. As long as you're having fun with it, man, I'm gonna have fun watching you have fun. Right on, you man. know, like that's sick to me. That's that's just so sick. But um, but no, but when when you were, you didn't know what was going on. Things weren't going. You were trying to figure out the next thing. Mm-hmm. How did just Frankie just called you? Was like, yo, motherfucker. Yeah, basically. Let's, let's do this shit. Yeah, like it's crazy. Like me and Frankie had, uh, I guess, messaged each other way back in the day. This was like MySpace days, and like. So we had like an introduction way back then, and uh, he was he liked like one of the local bands. I, how he ever heard like this is a local band like from Illinois slash Missouri that there's no reason we would have been on his radar. Like they're, they're, we didn't even play shows out of out of state, you know. So but somehow or another he he found it and he was really into it and he was expressed you know like wanting to do something together. Well, you know it's on his Wikipedia, right? Scene legend. Frankie Palmieri, <laughs> scene legends, so he knows. He does, and you know what? He shows me stuff all the time. That I'm like, where the fuck did you find this band? And he's like, ah, this is what I do. You know, I'm like, that's awesome. And so he had found us, and uh, you know, he's like, you know, we should try to do something at some point in time. Now, consider, you know, or keep in mind, this is like, at this point, probably more than ten years ago. You know, or it was just crazy, crazy long ago. And then literally, you know, I had written the second uh lp for glass cloud which never came out and uh what's up with that it's just sitting how does that work how does I, it, how uh, do people just you know people want it right i mean yeah i guess it's like completely done vocals and everything. this record has been done for five years five years yes it's been done just sitting there for five years why why isn't it coming up it's not me. I clearly did my part. You know. What do you mean? Like, there's like legal reasons why it can't come out, or I, just personal? I guess there's more personal things like okay. within all the members of the band. Well, they're just not happy with it for it to come out because even if you're I, not, I don't really know. Like if it was like a, it wasn't necessarily like they didn't like the material. When I wrote that record, I was in a much worse place. Like things were not Mentally? very good. Yes, yes, things were like very. It was. It's probably the darkest record and the most sad record and just angry pissed off heavy that i've probably ever written what do you like it i don't know when's the last time you listened to it not for a while <laughs> maybe you should give it another listen and kind of see <laughs> see how it sits with you i, I already know for a fact it's not going to sit in a good place because <laughs> yeah. like it was all written from a dark place yeah you know so it's like 
maybe even I am kind of like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if that's a great idea here. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like if we were to write the record together, then, excuse me, it'd probably sit way better with me. But that's also going back to me saying, you know, what I, what I was saying to you earlier, it's like, I write all of the stuff. And it's like, it's just me at that yeah. point. And it doesn't, it, I think it would feel a lot cooler to me and a lot stronger having other people come in and write whatever you know parts and ideas that they have do you ever write have you ever been a kind of guy or or been in in projects where you guys do write in a room or is it always yeah. like in front of a computer well it's generally like that like yeah. we always have a way to be able to track and like put down anything any ideas that we have but like last cloud did that like <laughs> oddly enough our first <clears throat> i think our first full meeting together was that studio yeah <clears throat> so we uh met up there and i'd already written the record but you know it's not everybody's like hashing out parts and whatnot and then we started writing together and it was it was wild like it was really cool writing like that with them in the studio because i had never done that before either it's just always my ideas and then somebody puts down whatever vocally or maybe we twist up the drums here or whatever and that's how it plays out but when glass cloud was in the studio the stuff that we wrote together okay even outside of the studio we would be practicing you know before a tour or something and we would just somebody in the band would start something and then somebody else would come in and somebody else would come in and the shit that we would write together was nothing like glass cloud sounded but it was like some of the most fun that we had jamming together and never did we ever print any of it never happened but those times were like oh this is so sick I, I, you know what i got to do then just be a guitar player yeah and that's all I want to do is be a guitar player. But it's like, it's kind of, I guess sometimes it's kind of hard to be like, you know, your drummer's like, I got this idea. <clears throat> and then you, you know, guitar player is coming. Okay, I'll try to riff this with you. And the bass player is like, okay, let me try to come up with a little bass line or something for this. I imagine that could be hard at times, you know. So when you have a mind that really <clears throat> puts it together and then kind of puts that out, it's like, kind of like an idea and some people i think it's not really easy for them to not be married to an idea yeah you know which is you know I've, I've, i suffer from it too but it's like you know you have to be able to be open enough to let all these different things come in and basically see what it can turn into and I, I, it's, it can be really hard for probably anybody but i love it you know like with the record for <laughs> this new amir stuff um I'm not going to tell you the amount of songs that were written for this because it's absurd. Why not? But Frankie writes too, right? <clears throat> yes, he does. Yeah. yeah, like uh he doesn't always like sit there and jam it out, like riff it out like he can't always play what he's really hearing, but if he can sing it to me, yeah. generally I can put it together. Yeah. And like one of the old one of the songs from the last record, he built the whole thing in Fruity Loops. Okay, so when he showed it to me, it sounds like Nintendo meets EDM. You know, it's, it sounds nothing like a band. But and when he showed it to me, he's like, ah, he, he literally said, I've had this thing for a long time. He's like, I'll show it to you. And he's like, he wasn't even that stoked on it. But he's like, you know, I'll show it to you and see what you think. And as soon as he turned it on, I was like, whoa. And he's like, what? And I was like, oh, I can hear this already. And that song turned out to be Smokey, yeah. which was like one of the heaviest tracks on the record. You know, but it's like, I love that. You know, and somebody comes to me and they're like dude i got this idea da, 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 da. and it's like okay let's let's bring it to life see what we can turn it into that is what i love to do 
you know, and like the touring part is like, yeah, it's sick for sure. But if I had to, if for some reason I had to choose between being a part of the writing and the creation process versus touring on it, I'm definitely going to say the creation process. Yeah. That's what I really love. Like having a blank ass canvas and turning it into whatever you turn it into. I love that part. Was it um, intimidating kind of, because you have a band like Amira that, you know, has has had a lot more commercial success mm-hmm. um, than I think some of your other, your pro- other projects. And it also stylistically was even more stripped down, even mm-hmm. more kind of groove, groove based. Um, was there kind of like a directive where he's like, listen, I need this from you? Or did you just kind of read the tea leaves and say, okay, here's where I think the music could <sighs> go? I guess it was kind of, kind of both. <clears throat> when he, when I first talked to Frank about it, um, I was stoked. Like it, w- it was just like, I had, obviously I was already an Amir fan anyways. Yeah. So growing up listening to that band, I already loved the band. It was like, yeah, this would be fucking awesome, you know? And then when it came time for me to start writing some stuff, the shit that I was sending him was like <laughs> way too much. Yeah. Like, and when it, when I sent it to him, he, he comes back, he's like, yes, yeah, so this shit is sick, but it is way too much. I was already like, okay, yeah, I figured it would be. I just, I'm trying to, you know, see, see where your head's at here. And then, you know, I'd keep sending, keep sending, keep sending, keep sending. And then I just, I had to keep dialing it back, dialing it back, you know, from what I normally do until I got to that point where it was like, this is it. And I, then, you know, then I stop and look at what it is that he's really liking. And yeah, it was like the most scaled down versions of yeah. everything that I have ever done. Yeah. And it, I don't know, I guess there was one side of me that's like, dude, I am, I love riffing. Like, I do love riffing. Now, Amir's riffing, it's still riffing. It's a little different, yeah. you know? <clears throat> not so involved, not so technically involved. But I think a genuinely heavy riff doesn't need to be technical. Like, if it is genuinely heavy, you're going to move to it no matter what. You don't have to force it to be heavy, like doing the... <clears throat> I don't even know what you want to call these chords, but you, like, the first fret on the low string and open on the next one, that, yeah. that chord, you know, it's like... That is, no matter when you do that, it's going to be heavy. You know, it's like purposefully heavy or heavy. And like, I don't really like doing that so much. I like trying to find the breakdown without having to play a breakdown. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you can make a breakdown, a riff, now you're talking. Like, that's money to me. You know, rather than having to be like, doom, doom, whatever, you know, kind of, you know, percussive little thing. You know, and I, that was like a learning process for me. It was like trying to get away from tech you know like because basically if he's not if he's not feeling it that's not that's not the spot and you is know? he okay was he okay saying hey man this isn't absolutely he's, he's good he can be the orchestrator oh and- yeah absolutely he is 100 percent. like yeah. he i told him from the jump like don't don't ever not tell me something because i need it to fuel you because the more you like something, the better you're going to perform on it. Yeah. Well, but you not know? that, I mean, you're, you know, you have a fan base, you know, that might expect something. And, and from what I gathered, you not only from listening to the record, but also hearing just the buzz on the record was that people really liked the new record. Like it, it seemed to give the band a new life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm listen, I'm friends with all the, the guys mm-hmm. who, who left. I, I toured them. I love those guys mm-hmm. had Mike, Mike on here. And, uh, you know, and you know, even though I guess some of those, even some of those guys, I think Frankie was still at the kind of forefront of of the, of the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it it was a 
a shift. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is a bit darker mm-hmm. than I think. I think some of some of the other stuff. It's a bit more unpredictable. Um, and I think even you know, pr- I was really impressed by the production. Like I think it sounds great. And that's Drew and Jeff, man. Yeah. Like they're the ones who really pulled the whole thing together. How did you guys end up working with them? <clears throat> um, our management knew them already and was like, you know, he, talking to me, he was saying, you know, like how do you feel about getting a producer? And at that point, I had never in my life ever done a record with a producer. So you would do all your own stuff? Yes, always. Like, nobody's ever had a hand in anything I've ever done. Like, other than the engineering side of it, you know. And then, so finally, he brings it up. He's like, so how would you feel like getting a producer? And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's cool. Like, I mean, I didn't want to shut it down, you know, having no idea what what could this turn into, even though I'm so used to doing this like this. It's like, okay, let's do it. Let's fly out here and, you know, see what it was. And I initially met Drew first, and he's just such a great dude. Like, great, great energy, positive dude. Like, And that immediately had me like, way more welcoming to anything because I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, we start, you know, bringing in all the sessions and, you know, he's starting to look at stuff and i like immediately he started kind of twisting things around and changing it up. And when he played it back, it was like, Oh, well that made way more sense. And it's like that. I knew it. It was like, this is perfect. This is the best place for me to be in right now. And then, you know, Jeff comes in and Jeff is the one who really turns all of my shit. That sounds terrible into shit that sounds proper you know so and then what, what, it, what do you mean by that i mean if you if you ever listen to anything i've done myself like you hear the parts you hear everything where you need to hear it but is it done quote unquote properly probably not because i mean i'm not like trained i just do what my ears are either liking or disliking and they just do it right <laughs> like when they when they take all the shit that i did because i mean i literally brought my sessions for the record here and then they opened them right up and they just went in and made it right. And it was like kind of fucked up seeing that happen. So was that like know? re-recording stuff or just yeah, really? Yeah, we, ju- we would definitely re-record. And anything that needed, basically for the record, everything ended up being re-recorded. Even though I had all of my bass, like I had the printed tones and I had the DIs. Guitars, I had the printed tones and the DIs. And it was like, Drew just one day, like this is like let, at the end of the record. And he's like... uh Let's just see what it would sound like if you retract using our DIs for the, for the guitars and then using whatever, you know, for an amp tone. And we're like, okay, let's just see which one sounds better. We actually started with the bass. We did it with the bass first. So I'm like, all right, I'm playing with the bass. He, you know, flips on the DI, goes to his setting, and he's, you know, does a few tweaks. And I play the bass, and I was like, oh, shit. Well, this sounds way better. So, bam, we spent, you know, two hours. Bam, just track the bass for the whole record right there. Get it over with. And then we're like, cool, we're done. Putting, putting everything up again. And he's like... You want to see what it'd be like if we did that with guitar? I was like, no, but let's do it. <laughs> you know, and then plugged it up. Same thing. It's like, fuck. All right, so we got two, three more hours. Let's track the whole record again. Let's do it and get it over you with. Did, we tracked the whole record in five hours? Yeah. I hate you. I, I mean, we'll listen to the record. It's not like, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's not a technical record. So when you have like a technical background, and you're used to having to, I mean, you know, those types of records can take way longer when you're like super fucking involved with, you know, whatever your yeah. parts are. And this stuff is not like that. It's like, I don't want to say easy, but dude, it's easy. Yeah. You know, it's it's not meant to be over anybody's head. It's not. It's it's a it's something that you bang your head to. Yeah. I mean, you know? it's. I think it's a big difference. You know, even I, I guess in, in in some respect, our journey has some similarities in that. Mm-hmm. Coming from a more technical music that 
kind of is intended for musicians to get something out of it mm-hmm. and then altering that to say listen we wanted to have some musical you know complexity to it but this is for normal people absolutely and that's, there it is right there that's you know and that's that's thing is is that you're trying to connect to the sensibilities of people yeah. who, who are just who they don't know you know they don't care about it that it just mm-hmm. doesn't sound good to them yeah. and i think and i think that's that's that is a big difference and the truth is unless you can get those people more than likely you're not going to have an extended Absolutely. career unless you're you know a dream theater mm-hmm. or you know periphery there's a handful of these bands yeah. out there you know animals as leaders yeah, yeah yeah that you know they're so good they're so dynamic they're so <laughs> you know and you know and, and and all those bands are also great songwriters in addition yeah. to to being uh technically incredible uh that, that you can have a lot of you know musicians but I imagine there's also a lot of non-musicians because they're just fucking great fans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But it, it is so much tougher when yeah. you're just writing for other musicians. <clears throat> well, that's Frankie is the one who pulls all that together, like because a lot of the shit that I do, it's like, dude, it's over the top, you know. And he'll tell me when it is, and I, I love. This is why I love writing with other bands is because I can do things that are not in my norm, you know, like things that I'm not accustomed to even dealing with and but we do this it's the same shit when i'm writing for amir even now like for this record this record is nothing like the last record was it's just different and it's like i have to like kind of step away from what i do what i know and what's home to me and now create something that somebody else is trying to achieve Mm. you know that's what you know frankie and i are doing you know it's like he has a vision and i try to you know, uh, bring the instruments to life and what his vision is. And he's always so good about telling me like, yeah, this is just way, way, way too much. Or no, kick the shit up here. Like this is the moment to do it. Yeah. You know? So it's really cool being able to write like that because it's probably not normal. It's like when we're doing this together, it's not like we're in a band together at that moment. It's more like we're, we produce each other at that time. Yeah. And then once we have everything cooked up, now we can come out here with Drew and Jeff and really do it up and just the best part is you know with drew like i don't know how he does this but anything that i bring him he can just freak it so fast it's like it's like he hears my stuff and he's like oh i know what to do with this like he doesn't he'll sit there and be doing shit not listening to it okay let me say that again he'll be sitting there doing shit not listening to it He's just doing it, like with his eyes, just doo, 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 whatever, move this over here. I'm going to line this up right here. Doo, 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 doo. And then he hits play and it's like, what the fuck did you just, you didn't even just listen to anything. And now it's like, he took my whole thing and he's brought to life. And like, I dude, I love that so much. And like, that's what, you know, me and Frankie are doing, you know, just bouncing off of each other the whole time and then come here. And then now Drew turns it into this and then Jeff comes in the room and now all of a sudden it sounds like this. You know, and it's just it's the, yeah. the process is so insane. These modern producers are are definitely wizards. <laughs> Absolutely no, that's why they, that's why they call him Wizard Blood. There it is, right there. Like the yeah. dude, the dude is just he, he's insane, man. Yeah, and we got the you know uh, Drew Falk, you know the producer he's talking about, uh, did some work on the last couple Bad Wolves records on a few songs, and then we never got to work with them. The the because Tommy would work with them, mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. singer, and then recently we all got to do a track together. Uh, that ended up, we we did it at the last minute. But like this, the label's like, oh, we want another single, and then we tried. It never got finished, but mm-hmm. it was that was the first time I actually got to like hang out with him and fucking and loved his. He had, he was just so 
he just brought a positive energy. Yeah, dude. And it was like, because we kind of didn't want to be there. At least I didn't want to be there because we were like, we thought the record was done. We got to do another fucking song. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he kind of really, and I really loved his energy. So I'm hoping to get to work on some stuff uh, in in the future. Um, one couple couple things. Uh, so I, it, 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 I found out that you actually, were you an original member of Monuments? Or <laughs> is it... Uh, what's the story? What's the story behind that? I had I had no idea about about this. I mean, because you you were technically from according to the online, <laughs> you were in the band prior to like their like debut like mm-hmm. LP. Mm-hmm. But there is an EP that I was checking out. <laughs> what? This what's is, so funny? What? This is just funny. Is this not real? Is yeah, it? Yeah, it is real. It is. But it's like, yo, that was so long ago, dude. It's like. I wasn't like in the band, you know. It's like was me, it even me, a band then? If you're no, like, if it was Brown. Yeah, just, you know, and like like we've been friends forever, you know. So and it's like so I've we're always, just trading files across uh, the I earth. I mean, kind of, yeah. It's like I just love the stuff they did, and he sent it to me, and for some reason I felt so inclined to put my mouth over the fucking songs. And, and, and so you were singing, you weren't playing. Yes, yes. You, you weren't playing. You were singing. No, yes, I was only doing vocals, and he played everything. He What's did the every- so? Is there a recording with you doing? We vocals? don't need to talk about that. <laughs> what do you mean we don't need to talk about that? that? Like, we don't need to play it, but I just need to know that. It, I mean, it does exist. What were you? What kind of vocals were you doing? Weird ones. <laughs> weird, weird ones? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that there was like attempts at everything. everything. Singing, screaming, and, you know, just everything. I don't know what the hell I was even thinking doing any of that. Yeah. It was like when you're listening to this music that is like, oh, well, literally, this is all perfect. There's nothing for me to do this. The only thing that it does not have is vocals. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just do this. <laughs> and, you know. So like you weren't we, playing guitar? No. Okay. Not on any of that. See, I, so now we have some clarification here. I just presume. <laughs> Don't go looking this up. Don't look this up. This is like just it happened. Okay, it happened. This was like I don't know how many. Well, there's no, years there's ago. no. Even the the 2010 EP is not even on Spotify. Like I had to go mm-hmm. on like YouTube to find it. Right. Um, and it right. sounded like monuments. It wasn't like drastic. Yeah. And I was presuming. I was like, oh, this is much of the stuff he was part on, but <laughs> that wasn't you doing vocals. Uh, no, probably okay, not, okay. not like the release. I can no. remember the name. Hold on, let me let me see if I have the damn thing here. Uh, That's so funny. Look it up. Anytime somebody brings that up, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, it's called. Damn, what's the name of this damn record? I have a song here called the uh, Oh the uh, We Are the Foundation. That was a 2010 EP. Anyway, anyway, I just I, listen. I gotta. This show is all about going back, and you. I found all kinds of bands. This, this, like this motherfucker been around a long time. All kinds of shit I never heard of, and it's like buried. Like the shit yeah. is not out there. Yes, this motherfucker yes. got bodies out there. But instead of <laughs> instead of carcasses, it's just records, uh, yep. and you know that uh, he doesn't want us to know about. But it is all pretty. Is all it is all pretty sick. Everything everything. You know I heard. what? If the shit sounded sick, I would be like, yeah, dude, check it all out. I mean, if you want to hear something that. It's not very sonically pleasing because I have never known what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just doing it the best I could. Yeah, go go check so it I, out. So I went and listened to When Knives Go oh, Skyward. Oh, boy, here we go. I went and listened to the goddamn rodeo. Oh, my Lord. He's he's gone. <laughs> he's gone, folks. So these are all, all these like previous bands he was in. And it all... So the goddamn rodeo I was listening to, and that's like almost like a Casey strain vibe like it's like yeah. more almost the more straightforward kind of mm-hmm. heavy heavy shit and then now I was go skyward was like 
really technical and kind of mm-hmm. like, but interesting. Like, I, you know, you know, not to kind of fluff your balls here, but I, <laughs> but I, but I do think, uh, you know, something. You know, part of the reason why I think uh, so many people love your playing is that it is really unique, and you because I think in a lot of these genres, um, it is so easy to go, oh, this band over here, right? So it's like. For for one second, it's like everyone's ripping off, you know, Suicide Silence, mm-hmm. or everyone's gonna rip off Unearth, or yeah, everyone's yeah, gonna rip yeah. off, you know, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, or whatever the hot thing of the yeah. moment. So there's in that genre, there was just so it is it's kind of known for being generic, mm-hmm. you know, and your shit was not generic. Like you were able to take these kind of this heavy. Um, basis of things and always have a spin that made it be interesting and listen part of that was the fact that it was technical and weird and mm-hmm. odd sounds and you right, know right. and i said in really interesting rhythm rhythms mm-hmm. in it to to a point where it's like oh we're not just we're ripping off my sugar but that was something that was a through line that everything i was like man everything sounds interesting and i think people eventually realize that you know you were the, the main reason behind a lot of this stuff but. Yeah, that that is how it worked. That that goes back to what I was saying with like there was only about you know some percentage, a low percentage of what happens in me, like in stuff that I do. Like even with a mirror now, it's like it was is that what if I was putting on my own thing, is this what what it would be? No, you know. But it's like you know understanding that it's it's got way more to do with than me, you know. So it's like I'm trying to build something here with other people, and it's like. I don't have to be like I wanted to be like this. <laughs> like yeah. no, it's not. It's not like that. But that's what I'm saying. Like if it was something I was doing alone, you know, like a like a solo thing or something, it would probably. Is the solo be... album coming? I mean, there's like six or seven of them done. I just don't know. You have what... six or seven solo albums done? Oh, uh, easily. Dude, I had dude. I okay. I wasn't gonna tell you this for this record. We wrote 117 tracks. When you say we, you mean you? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't like like being like. Well, it was me. It's yeah. just weird. So, but we had 117 tracks for this record. That's why it took us so long. Like we'd go through all of them, and you know, we'd spend a full day, but probably like 15, 16 hours. Well, since you can record an entire album in five hours, um, <laughs> I imagine you just re- you wrote the song in four minutes, uh-huh. tracked it in eight. Yes, that's like that's one song done. There's On to one. number two. <laughs> By the end of the day, we got 50, 15 songs. He's like, all right. Uh, I mean, it was probably like a, maybe like four months, you know, yeah. that I spent. So when you break that down, 117 in four months, it's like, it's not really that much. Think about anybody that goes to a normal job. You know, you have to do X amount of files per day. You know, take that day into four months. It's, it's really not that much. You know, it's like, and you know, considering the songs don't have to be so technically complex, there's... It's it's not really that crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like you I'm just, slow, so I don't you know, me, I'll take a week to work on one song. Yeah, but your yeah. songs are probably way more thought out. They're probably much smarter written. You know, yeah. and this stuff it's like I don't have to do that because I know Drew is gonna do that. Yeah. So all I need to really do is bring him So you when you say songs, you mean more like you have a skeleton yes, idea. Yes. Gotcha. And it's like, you know, nothing that I was no song that I ever write is done. Until he's got his hands on yeah. it, it's just not done, you know. So, because I know he's gonna really be able to put it put it together properly. Whereas me, all I'm hearing is beat this motherfucker in the, you know. And we can't really have that. It's got to be. It can't be so violent like that. It's got to be uh, just able to be presented better. 
than that which what he he's able to do that like the when i brought him look at yourself like that's i had written that entire record like that one that one was done and then drew with the little room that he was allotted to to you know do anything with he freaked the shit in like the the best ways that's why when we found out we were coming back it was like i know exactly what i'm gonna do here and i'm putting his ass all over the whole fucking record because he really knows what he's doing and he really gets the way that i write and like the things that i do and he knows how to you know just uh he just knows how to bring it all to life the right way, and I I haven't figured out how to do that. Yeah. So it, it's like a well, perfect that's, that's team. That's the here. point of a, a good producer and, and chemistry yeah. with producers. Some people link with a producer and it has the opposite effect, and they mm-hmm. feel stifled or that they're losing control or, right. or you know. So it's all about just finding someone that that works with you. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. <laughs> but here's the thing: you can't be on the X Men show without talking about some black shit. All right, that's <laughs> all right. That's a that's a theme. Okay. And by the way, by the way, I'm getting all all the brothers in in metal are gump coming on my show. I'm getting everybody. You know what I'm saying? Right, tight. You, you know who you are out there, <laughs> Mark Ukobu, motherfucker. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Your light skins bastard, motherfucker. <laughs> you we gonna get you. You can't hide. All right. He thinks he can hide, but he can't. No, he ain't hiding. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I listen, and and I think, you know, being a, you know, a musician of 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 color and kind of a white male kind of dominated environment i imagine some of these questions can get hack mm-hmm. and get a little mm-hmm. like so what yeah, and, and you because i've gotten these so what's it like being bro right? yeah right that's bro. the that's the number one question right <laughs> i had this happen on some some fucking massive festival dude massive somewhere in in europe somewhere yeah and we're doing did some, he call you colored this is this is a chick she didn't do that <laughs> I don't. I don't think she called me color. She said something like, uh, "So what's it like being a black person in metal?" I think that's. I think that's verbatim yeah. what she said. She said, "So uh, what's it like being a black person in metal?" And I don't know. Was it why. the first question? She just I don't came think out. It was the first, I don't think she came out fucking guns blazing, but it was like number three. Okay, so when she said this, "What's it like being a black person in metal?" I don't know why this happened, and it, yo, it came into my head just so fast, and I said. I don't know, probably a lot like being a white person in metal. And yo, she was stunned. Cricket. Yeah. Cricket for for at least five seconds. And it was just so crazy. Well well, I, I can imagine, you know, because when I like I had Tosin on the show and, mm-hmm. and we talked a lot about or I brought up a point that I think when you're you know, uh, whether you're a woman whether you're gay, trans, anything that's different from from what we think was the prototypical person in, in heavy music, mm-hmm. if you're good enough, your who you are, your kind of identity becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you know, the fact that Jimi Hendrix was black didn't matter because he was so good. And right. it, like it, su- right. it super supersedes that, and it's it's interesting because when I hear about you, I never hear about no one ever talks about your race. Yeah. Everyone's just like, Jock Travis is sick. And so that tells me that you're really good, <laughs> which is helpful. <laughs> Whereas like, but then it makes think about either with God forbid, people talked about a race a lot. I think part of it had to just do when we came out, mm-hmm. when, you know, and you know, I think we in a, in some respects in extreme in extreme metal, we were kind of pushing down some doors or putting some, some things that maybe so it normalized certain things so that when other black musicians came up in the in the environment that people didn't have to ask that question because it was mm-hmm. already kind of thing. you know yeah. um 
I don't I, I don't know. So my, so my question isn't what's it like to be black. What I'm actually more interested in is like uh, like how you grew up and uh, and how you how like did you because the thing is the truth is like you know I grew up in inner city mm-hmm. with black kids and and Hispanic kids predominantly um, and yeah and there wasn't rock music in that environment mm-hmm. there wasn't metal music I had to kind of find it. And it came in my, you know, on my radar in, in, in diff- different ways. Yeah. Like, did you grow up in a, in like a, in a predominantly black community? Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 We were like. So you were, you were amongst the whites. I guess I was alone. Okay? <laughs> I, I was literally the black sheep amongst. It, there, there was no black people there for a very, very long time. But, you know, so I was kind of like subjected to metal just because of who my friends were anyways yeah and back then not a lot of them really listened to rap like it just didn't i didn't like that whole other side of music came from my brothers more than anybody else and then that so it was like when i like dude which, I which you, came from like hip-hop came yeah from hip-hop okay. and everything like anything rap related came from my brothers and then uh basically everybody that i grew up with like you know we, we listened to well maybe not always metal but it was like bands you know and like i was like when i was growing up like even in high school i was a i was a, a they call, back then they called them band nerds that's what they were called yeah and i was a band nerd and um so when i listened to music i would be listening to like drum lines and shit like dci core stuff you know mm-hmm. um not bands. Yeah. Like I didn't know what a band was. And these So you were in drum corps and like marching band and yeah, stuff like exactly, that? Exactly, okay. exactly. And like for some assembly or something we did at school, our drum line did something. You know, like some of us did like drum solos and shit like together, like whatever. And uh, one of the local bands from my area, we went to school together and they saw us playing. And after we were all done or whatever, the dudes came up to me and they're like, Yo, are you in a band? And I was like, Well, yeah. I mean, I'm in band. <laughs> And they're like, and you that's got, not a band. Exactly. <laughs> and I had no idea. You know, you trip off this. Like, I'm in high school and I don't know what bands are. I have no idea. Yeah. And like, these dudes were like, no, like a band. And I'm like, confused as fuck. Like, you, yo, you just saw me with the band. And they're like, yo, we, come hang out with us. Like, let's show you some bands. The first two bands that they showed me was Corn and Tool. That's was the first two, yeah, that was the first two bands I ever heard ever, and it was Corn's first record, and I don't know which one it was from Tool. I can't even remember, but like it's that's where, Anima. yeah, it might it might have actually been something that maybe had an eye on it or something like some some weird ass looking eye. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but those are the first two, and then from there it like started leaking all over. It did Soul Flies and fucking Machine Head, and you know like just all the bands, and then all of a sudden my life got fucked up, and they showed me who Meshuggah was. And that was Meshuggah with Chaos Fear. Yeah. And life as we knew it changed. Yeah. Like from that moment on. And here, fast forward, here we are. But no, but like, I think what's kind of uh, something I'm trying to, I guess it's my own little anthropological like experiment of, of just trying to, or, or just this intellectual curiosity about, you know, how, you know, I, I think there's this, this idea that the things we like, right? Um, and, the, and there are cultural divisions between like here's white shit over here and fucking you know and black shit over here mm-hmm. and and uh, and that somehow by being into one thing conversely to something else you're somehow betraying your your natural self mm-hmm. or 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 some, something like that um, and it makes me and it's interesting because in a lot of ways someone like you 
your upbringing is like an experiment because it's like, okay, we tend to think, oh, black people like this and mm-hmm. white people like this. But removed from that environment... And it changes everything. It Yes, <laughs> which, which tells you that if you were to take a lot of young black people and then put them in an environment that wasn't just hip-hop, wasn't mm-hmm. just a certain style of dress or a certain yeah. uh, way of kind of viewing certain things or speaking about certain things that... And, and vice versa, yeah. right? You take, you know, you take, a, you know, a white kid and put him a certain thing that they'll, they'll kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's, some, it, it happens. It's real. It's definitely a real thing. Yeah. Like 100%. But do you, but have you had that? And it's something I'm, I'm listen, any, any black musician I have in your, I'm always going to bring this shit up because <laughs> in a lot of ways we're amongst our community, especially the way, because hip hop music has taken over pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. So we're, so that makes us even more the, you know, rare because you know, the truth is back in the 60s and 70s, black people were like most of the musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. we, we, that was what we did. We played, we were the bass players and the drummers and the guitar yeah. players and all these bands. And obviously that's become, I'm sure it's still a thing, but it's it's not quite quite as something. But, right. do, but do you ever have that thing of like being challenged for not being authentically black enough or? No. Or is it, is it, but you know what? <clears throat> I think I probably would. If uh, if I was just in a scenario where that could even be applied, yeah, and I'm generally not like like going back to my whole online presence, like you don't see me out there because I'm not out there. Yeah, like people can't challenge me because unless you're at my house, you can't challenge me. You know, not not to say that it would be good or bad. You know, the experience is the experience, no matter what. And like, I mean, you 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 could I guess try to, but. It wouldn't be something that ever made me feel bad about what I do. I mean, this is what this is who I am, and like if I wasn't supposed to be doing this, I probably wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like it almost feels like it was like written, you know, like in my DNA or something. Like this is what the fuck you're gonna do. Yeah. And it don't matter if you. I mean, I do, I do hip hop stuff too, and like really, 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 really. If you break down what I'm doing now, it's no It's, it's hip hop. No, I know, but that's you what know? I. But that's why I think. In a lot, and this like this might sound a little fucked up for people listening to this, that I almost think, uh, in a sense, when you do have uh, people of color in rock and metal, they tend to stand out, mm-hmm. kind of uh, creatively, because there are those kind of influences. Uh, for like for me, I grew up in a house with jazz music, and uh-huh. that was from my white dad. One because mm-hmm. like. Because you know, anything, you know, <laughs> so you know, and uh, but so it's 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 fun, but that gives a but if, but if you grew up right, if you're just a regular, well, more prototypical white male um metal musician, and you grew in your house, you grew up listening to Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. and Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. just like a bunch of other guys who had that similar, you that means a lot of your output is probably going to be streamlined in a way mm-hmm. that is more consistent with each other. Yeah. But I think if you come up with a different culture, and I think that goes for anything, you look, you look at, you know, people that grew up in Latin households, people that yeah. grew up in, you know, look at System of a Down, they, you know, with their Armenian culture and how that influenced their music, right, right, you know, right, and right. I think a lot of that, you know, whether that's, like I said, nature or nurture, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you having a, a groove hip-hop sensibility or the same kind of feel, feels that that inspired hip-hop or whatever, is mm-hmm. that, you know, like, it's this I, because there's this idea, right, that black people are inherently good at rhythm, right? whether that's dancing, <laughs> whether that's being drummers, that's being right. bass players. You believe that? 
I kind of do. Yeah? Yeah, and that's and the thing is, listen, that there's no two ways around that that mm-hmm. where you cuz I think certain stereotypes societally we're okay with. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you were to flip it, then also we wouldn't be okay with it. Right. You know, because because the thing is if you were to say the opposite, right? Like, okay, because you're Asian, you're not good at rhythm, mm-hmm. then obviously that would be very offensive and of course, fucked up. Of course. But if we say it in a positive way, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, Todd over there, he's a he's a white man. He's good at accounting because he's white. It's like <laughs> that's fucked up, but right. it's is it true? <laughs> yeah. You know, not even that, that's that's not even a known stereotype. Yeah, I'm, yeah, just, yeah, I'm yeah. just kinda Kind of I mean, it kind of hy- is. Hypothetical. <laughs> well, no. T- if you go to the real stereotype, the stereotype is that Asians are good at math. Yes, they're the best. So so that, you know. But if you're Asian, you hear that, even though it's a quote-unquote positive stereotype, there's still a hint of that is going probably going to offend you. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't right, want to, I don't want right. to, I don't see. So I think some of these things, but it's like, you know, I think when it, when it comes to these areas that are, you know, a bit more... Um, meritocracies like sports right it's like people will say like you'll have certain examples where people will go this is really fucked up that in the tech industry there aren't more women in tech right Mm -hmm. which i i think could be valid i don't know i don't don't know know the numbers i don't know the disparities why right but if you were to go to the nba and say well the nba is 90 percent black and then some white dude was like this is discrimination. Mm-hmm. They're not letting me in this league because I'm white. They're uh-huh. racist. It's like people would laugh at you, right? Because they'd right. be like, "Well, no." The, I mean, you see the dude dunking over to everyone, and <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. because it's it's some things are ver- a lot more. Um, you kind of can't deny it, even though they tend to, you know, uh, be pooled in certain groupings. You know, it's it's. Right. But this, listen, this stuff is very. This is not the easiest ground to kind of walk on because it, you know, you I think it, it depends on the, the people that, you know, it's happening with. Well, no, listen, I think it doesn't need know. to be hard. No, you know? I, I know, but, but I do think it is sensitive material and you have to, you know, I think in this day and age, you know, even though, cause we're in this, this time period right now where free speech is kind of like, it's a debate we're having. Yeah. It's kind of not real right now. Like th- th- there's like a the, the, there's a piece this this world is a PC world right now, and like me personally, like man, there ain't no telling what's gonna come out of my mouth at any moment, and I may not say it right for whoever. So you know what I'm doing? I'm gonna shut up. Like I'll be okay. <laughs> That's not, why I ain't posted anything. That's why I ain't posted shit because it's gonna piss somebody off somewhere, and it's like you're you're, you're gonna get pissed off if you want to. Like you're gonna find some, whatever it is that you need to be able to excite you to whatever new level you know to get to whatever it is you're trying to achieve and it's like man chill out like that that's just where i'm at just chill out like nothing that you know you asking me like you know what's your background like i could have i could have been the other person said i don't need to tell you about my fucking background what the fuck (laughs) you were in my background but what about your fucking background you know like you know yo there's people that you know could be like you know if you're mixed you're considered black no, that well, because that's you know the, the reason why that is. And listen, this is something my grandfather, my black grandfather, told me. He said, he said, he actually, he actually, no, he, he there's a story he told to my, my father told me about my grandfather is that I guess we were like we were out somewhere, maybe like a park or somewhere, and my grandfather was like, you know, we were acting up, and my grandfather was like, 
you better get these kids in order. He's like, they think they're white. He's like, they, he's like, they're half black. They are black. Yeah. And it's, and listen, and part of that is, it's an old school mentality because the truth is if you were, this, a lot of people don't know this, that there's, were certain levels like a, like the term octoroon, which is actually a very, considered to be a racist term. It means you're one eighth black. That if you were, I think one eighth or maybe one sixteenth, that means you could be enslaved. So, so that's where a lot of the, it, it, you know, so the idea, uh, societally and culturally and historically in America, uh, how black, black you are, like, for example, in Barack Obama, former president, he is half black, but he's not ever referred to as the biracial president, Mm -hmm. the half black, half white president. He's referred to as the first black president. Mm -hmm. So that tells you how society views and even me like i'm very light i'm Mm -hmm. very fair um and to the point where a lot of people don't know what i am and i've gotten (laughs) everything some people look at me and will say oh a black guy a fucking mexican guy i've got i've got i've gotten everything you know um and and me i'm not you know and i know a lot of mixed people who do they say well i'm black and i do think barack obama his identity he sees himself as a black man because mm-hmm. I think his experience is that that when people see him, they see a black man. So right. you're you kind of your identity is is kind of through that lens of what your experience is. And the truth is, I I, I say this, I have light privilege, mm-hmm. and by light, <laughs> and and with that, and okay. listen, and that's and that's a real thing. I don't mm-hmm. I don't take you know you know because I think a lot of um, if you're not in the black community, you're part of it. The the issues we have within the black community that there has been tension between dark skin blacks and light skin blacks for forever. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole political conversation around that. Yeah. And that's something where like, and when I, when I say that is that like, I remember like with, you know, like being in God forbid, it's like my, my singer Byron, you know, darker skin, dreads, beard, you know, he would get a certain kind of treatment in society that that I wouldn't get. And that's the kind of, so so sometimes even sometimes, so even a white person, oh, black dude over here, almost that kind of hits me where I'm like, listen, I am, I really see myself as a biracial person, Mm -hmm. that my black and white identity are different and connected and equally valid. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and 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 I, but I do think that that is rare amongst biracial people. I think people tend to, lean to one side and kind right. of view themselves right. in that in that uh thing because i think now too you know being you know having a, a bit of minority in you is some social currency mm-hmm. right like, so it's, it's like oh i can say this because <laughs> right, I'm, like, right, i right. can do this and like, oh i can you know like people gave elizabeth, <clears throat> elizabeth warren all this shit because she was like claiming to be uh native american things like that um and so that's some kind of tricky ground too and that's an another thing for me not wanting to use it as some kind of leverage point mm-hmm. uh to just be like oh i can do this because of this or or whatever you know i don't know yeah, it's yeah, complex I no i mean i'm sure it is i'm to me man it's like i don't care what you are like if you're good people you're good people that's what yeah. i see well that's what we want that's, that's the ideal right i mean that's just what it is yeah you know you have to try to make it otherwise you have you have to like literally say you are this when you you didn't need to say it at all all, yeah. all only the only only thing that really mattered there was who are you as a person 
that's what really mattered. And then to turn that into something bigger than that, would you actually have to try whether it was passed down from whatever that such and such taught me like this? I grew up like this. Okay, well, you're going to get to a certain point at it. You're in your life where it's like, yeah, but one of my best people is this. But they said this ain't right. Well, clearly they were wrong. So and maybe it doesn't always turn out like that. But for me personally, that's what it really is. It's like, I don't give a shit what you are. I don't care. Even male, female crocodile i don't give a fuck what you are i don't give a shit what your shade is it don't matter to me like if you're good people you're good people the end like that's it well yeah yeah, you know right on (laughs) that's just real so what is it like to be black (laughs) man i mean you know you know you know i'm I'm gonna tell you you what it really is like you know what it's like (sighs) i'm gonna have to call spike lee about this yeah yeah we're gonna have to make a movie out of this yeah, I mean, I dude, I couldn't even yo back in the day, like Tony Danza days. Because yeah, you were like in these southern bands too. Yo, <laughs> we played some shows where some people said some interesting things to me. Yeah, <laughs> like shit. That's did like, you ever one of these? Because uh, Corey from God forbid has a great story. This is like, he's like, how how the hell does a black dude play guitar that good? You ever get one of those? <laughs> I got that, but I didn't get the black dude. I didn't oh, get that. It was straight I got the bomb? hard R. I got the hard yeah. R. He said, he said, I ain't never seen a hard R play guitar like that before. He said this to me, to my face. Yeah. And at that moment I had like, it was like a fork in the road. I can go left and swing on this motherfucker right now, which would be like, I think a typical ignorant thing to do. Doesn't that, help. That, would be. Doesn't edu- that guy needs education, not yes, a punch fully, in the face. Yes, fully, fully. And then there was the right, you know, the right side of the road here where it said to me was like, well, he didn't just. He actually complimented he, he, he complimented way. me in a really <laughs> fucked up way. Yeah. And when, when, it, when it happened, I was like, well, thanks, man. And <laughs> that's what you said. Yeah, I said, well, thanks, man. Now, that, I think I might have said thanks for multiple reasons. He was standing with a group of people who oh. probably all felt the same way that he did. They like a couple, they, pit, couple pitchforks and ropes. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. They had the, the the fucking the the trailer. The trailer was opened up already. Yeah. They were ready to get crazy. Yeah. But yeah. like, there was like a group, of, and they were all stoked. They were all happy, and it was just like, maybe they just don't realize that that's not tight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's like you could have been like, man, I never seen no. Oh, shit, there. How else are you gonna put? It? I mean, that's just what they know, and I could have, you know, ran with that, you know, in a, a super negative way. But instead, it was like, dude, I'm tired as fuck. I just got done playing, literally playing a Tony fucking Danza set. The last thing I want to do right now is go grab one of these fucking guitars and start swinging it and fucking around with some people, and especially when the dude was kind of trying to be nice. I think. Yeah. You well, know? well, it's so sometimes you you just don't know. Like one time I was in Austria, mm-hmm. and. uh playing and one guy was like he's going he's like so you are a nigger huh and i'm like (laughs) and but the thing is i think he was literally i don't think he was saying it as um a slur because the thing is in in latin languages you know black is negro and and so it they have so he i think he literally thought that's what you called black people like i don't think he really realized but he he, there was a language barrier so i had to explain to him i was like no no you don't say that like you have to he's like oh okay like you have to you know he wasn't really you know best in english so he i don't think he was saying it he wasn't trying to insult me um and so you have to have a little bit of 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 patience because that's you know no one's ever called really called me that to my face in a this was like arkansas or some shit like that like in the thick of it and he yeah. said man i ain't ever seen a hard r play guitar like that before i mean the accent was thick 
Yeah. You know, like they probably showed up to the show on four wheelers and shit. It was real the country. You know, like awesome. thanks, man. But but I mean, I feel that uh in you know, as the scene has progressed, where God forbid was this band that really stuck you know, was like, Oh wow, these are you know, black dudes doing this. <laughs> and now I I don't feel like it is a thing. It's not like Oh, here's the band with the black guitar. Player. Here's the band with the right. backs. And I think it's just it's not as much anymore for sure. Yeah, it just feels like it's a lot more normalized. And mm-hmm. same thing I think with women mm-hmm. uh, per- performing, where I feel like, oh, here's the band with this guitar, yeah. you know, female guitar player. Yo, there's female too bass player. many ill fucking female shredders, bro. Like, Everything. Fuck. Like they're, they're, I don't know. I go. I've had that conversation so many times about women in whatever industry or market or whatever, and you know, hearing all these basically horror stories about how they can't do this or whatever because they are women and it's like i don't again i'm not out in the fucking shit man i don't see what's really going on and i'm not watching the fucking news trying to you know get swept up and all whatever it's like i'm just basically living man like that's it just whatever it is and i see all these different people just focusing on guitarists like I see them all from fucking male to female and fucking every race you can fucking think of. And if you're ill, you're ill, period. I don't give a shit what you are. And I'm not trying to shred up against not one of them. (laughs) But if any of y'all need a rhythm, I got you. You know, I just leave it like that. That's just what it is. I don't care what you are. But why do people give a fuck? Like, just if you're sick, be sick. Let people be fucking sick. Be stoked that they're sick. Like, well, actually, so we, we had a um, Bad Wolves had this uh, like Kickstarter thing. And one of the uh, the things people could buy is like a Q&A of the band. Mm-hmm. And this one kid bought it. But instead of doing like a Q, like we we're going to do like a phone call. Uh, we ended up like getting mixed up. And we, we said, all right, why don't you? He's like, oh, I want to interview you guys. And we're like, okay, why don't you come to the show and you can interview us individually? And he's a he's a blind kid. He's like uh like eighteen or nineteen years old, really fucking smart kid, really really cool. And he he was actually doing a podcast. And his girlfriend he brought and she was blind as well. And they were both musicians. They had a band together. He was a drummer and she was a singer. And they had a band. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, so are the other people in the band blind? And they're like, no. I'm like, you should kick them out and get all blind people. <laughs> I'm like, and that That's hard. I'm like, and I was like, yo. It's hard out here. You need a gimmick, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, all I'm saying is if you had an entire blind band, fuck. That's hard. And yeah. every, everybody's... Shout out, shout out to Shane Lowe, um, who, I'm, who I'm talking about. He's a really good guy. Um, and I, and he, he was really fun doing an inter- interview with him. That's if, cool. if, if, if he's listening to this. But uh, but I was tell, I'm telling you guys, get kick them motherfuckers who can see. Yeah, out of here. Out you of just here. get whoever, you know, whoever can fucking... <laughs> Whoever drives the van, make sure they can see. Yes, but they other need- than get you know, get. I'm telling you, that shit would blow up. Yeah, right? absolutely, for and sure. And come up with some kind of pun for the thing. You guys would be be huge. Uh, and they're and they're no, but they're they were they were super cool. But it, but but the point is like kind of like sometimes, you know, what makes you stand out, you kind of have to utilize for yeah. whatever. Sometimes, yeah. so sometimes it does. It I think does for matter. us, it was automatic. It's just like you know being. Being black and being in metal, especially back in the day when it was not like so, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it was more like, what the fuck? You know, like it was it, it was already happening, you know, because as soon as they see that, it's like it doesn't 
it doesn't identify properly, you know, so it was like already kind of set there for, you know, people like us that have been doing this for this long, you know, especially from way back then. And like, you know, and I would fucking, you know, be pulling up to whatever party or some shit when I was a kid, I'm blasting Pantera and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, this is my shit, you know, like it's just what it was. So, you know, you're automatically like set apart. You know, so not to say that it was necessarily like for the better or for the worse. It's just what it was. That was it. So you just you keep doing what you're doing. And then fast forward to now. And here we are out here in L.A. making fucking heavy ass records, you know, like doing doing the damn thing. Like, well, you guys, listen, you heard it here first from scene legend. <laughs> Joshua Travis. Yo, Josh, thanks for doing the show, yeah, man. Absolutely, bro. Good shit. For sure. For sure.
So that track was entitled Flag of the Beast from Emure's latest album, Look at Yourself. And uh, yeah, as you can hear, they have a new record that they're working on pretty much as we speak. It might actually be done by the time this uh, this show airs. But, you know, I heard a, heard a little bit up in there and that shit was sounding, sounding pretty fucking intense. And I love hearing about the whole process, man. You know, listening back to this interview, I was definitely... I think it's one of my one of my favorite shows that, that that I've done. It's so interesting that Josh has never done a podcast, but he really has so much to say, <laughs> which is uh, which is really illuminating. You know, you got to find those uh, those stones that are unturned un, unturned out there because there there there's so many voices out there and 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 people with so much insight, you know, into how this this art gets created and. Uh, and yeah, that was just that was just really incredible. I learned I learned so much, and I really appreciate Josh coming on the show. That was that was fantastic. And hopefully, we didn't get too uh, you know controversial near near the end with some of some of the uh, racial discussions. But um, that's the stuff that interests me. It really does. And when it kind of uh, go down goes down that road, I'm, I'm definitely going to examine it and hopefully use this space for more than just uh, you know talking riffs and solos and breakdowns and and all the all things heavy metal you know so that's just what it's gonna be sometimes and hopefully you guys are okay with that and another thing i um on the last episode with mike terry i did this thing where i played little clips of his songs and you know about a handful of people reached out saying they really like that i considered that doing this for this episode but i just felt lazy (laughs) and uh you know, I wasn't sure if it's something you guys want me to do all the time. So, you know, if you if you like that, let me know. Um, maybe I'll experiment with it more. It is a little bit more work for me to search for tracks and cut them down. And it makes the editing process a little more intensive. But, uh, you know, I want to improve the show. Maybe it, it, it feels like if I'm playing the songs, for example, with someone like Josh, he's been in a bunch of different bands and we talk about the stylistic differences. Maybe that'll give it a little more context you know maybe gives that more documentary kind of kind of feel to it um and is informative if, you, if you're not familiar with someone's complete catalog so let me know what you guys think about that and uh yeah just thank you for listening to the show tell your friends tell your mama tell your baby daddy and uh tell putin you know not to kill me because you know could be looking for me i'm i'm i've been i've been to russia and, and now now i'm on his radar so you never know he knows i'm not a fan so Hopefully, I'm a fan of Russia, but just not, you know, not Putin. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Love you. You look great with your shirt off. All right. There, there, see, I spun into something positive. Anyway, love you guys. Mamba out. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. 
How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.